0: Who loves Brittany Palmer? <laughs> Yay for Brittany. I never take for granted um, being invited to speak on this platform because I love our church. I love the Lord. And um, I want you to know that when I bring a message that it will always be something that has devotionally impacted my life. I don't open the Bible to get a message. I open the Bible for it to change me. And so this morning I want to bring something to you that has had a very uh, a very amazing impact of engagement in my life. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that your eyes are on your house, that your eyes are towards us. And Lord, thank you for this time when our eyes are closed, that we... Look to you, Father God. And when we open our eyes, Lord God, that we stay looking to you, that our gaze is towards you just as yours is towards us. We dedicate this time to you and I thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats. So good to see you here in church today and welcome to those watching online or watching later. Uh, We do love our church and we are heading up to our 16th anniversary. Can you believe that? It's coming right up and uh, we don't want to be anywhere else. We love Newport and we love being here in Orange County. So, I'm going to bring you a a little story. um, It's a throwback to 1983. Who was not born in 1983? Babies. Babies. Who can remember 1983? So, when I hear 80 anything, I see fashion, I hear music. 80s fashion 80s music I'm not going to play 80s music today and I'm not going to particular. well I will show you or explain a story about fashion in a moment but straight away I want to talk about cars because in 1983 I was 16 and I got my driver's license the day of my 16th birthday and in Australia that's the day the first day you can get it I <laughs> went and got my license and uh took the written test, passed that. Three months later, after having my, what they call, L plates, you actually have to have an L. Some Australians would say that I've got my loser plates, it's awesome. So, you know if there's an L plate, a little card on a car, that you stay right away and you don't honk the horn and you just let them be because you could have somebody like me learning, right? And so, three months later, I went for my actual driving test and there was a torrential rainstorm in Sydney, I'll never forget it, and um, so, I'm, I'm with the driver who actually had been teaching me how to drive for three months. Yes, my dad, a firefighter, drives fire trucks, could teach me how to drive, but he wouldn't. Smart dad. It's like, you pay somebody to do it, they can deal with all the anxiety, and then you stay really close and love each other, right? That's important. So, he sent me off. And so, this, uh, I went for my actual test. The rain was just unbelievable. And I'm trying to do a reverse park. And I took three attempts to do this reverse park because the, the gutters were flooding. Now, right now, if any of you have seen me do a, a reverse park, I do it with a pinky. I'm good. Because Aussies reverse park just about everywhere. So I've been driving now for a lot, of decades, like a long time. A long, somebody was actually offering uh, London a lift home from school. And she said, It's okay, Mrs. Wilson, I've been driving 10 months. I'm like, oh, Fabulous. <laughs> feel so assured right now. (laughs) Anyway, she's a good driver. Ten and two, ten and two. And so the other thing that happened was, apart from the the fact that you're supposed to just do it in one turn, I took three turns to do it, I also ran over a curb, and one of the hubcaps fell off. (laughs) And then it it, it drained away with the flood. (laughs) I get back to the DMV, which in Australia is the RTA, Roads and Traffic Authority, and... um, I'm told that I passed. Why did I pass? Because he said, you're the only one who turned up today. Good job in the rain. I'm like, awesome. (laughs) Not bad. Anyway, so my dad bought me a really nice car. It was not brand new, but it was actually my dad's only ever bought one brand new car for himself. And it was a a Hyundai back in the 90s that had rolled down uh, windows and you opened the door with a key. Uh, Now, my dad's like... Like frugal with things like cars. Anyways, but he wanted something nice for me. And so he bought me a Toyota Celica. Everyone say Celica. No, say Celica. And a Celica GT coupe. And um, it was silver and just beautiful. I think we've got a photo of it. Oh, there she blows. Beautiful. And so it was automatic, which was great. It was given to me which was amazing my dad was very generous he did not he was given nothing when he was my age so he wanted to bless his kids and the only problem was he bought my sister a well she'd learnt to drive on an automatic but then he bought her a golf that had what do you call it stick shift in australia you call it gears it was like a it was a manual not an automatic and so, I was just really wanting to drive, like, properly drive. Because you're not driving when you're driving like this. Like, driving means you actually use, you switch the gears. And so, um, my dad's like, in due time, in due time. My sister's two and a half years older, so she got to do that second. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that now. Dad's like, no, you've got to wait. And so, I had a friend called Tracy, who's still a good friend. So, we were, um, you know, high school brats, perfect. And so... <laughs> What would happen? I was really, really nice. I've got to say nice because I wasn't like, n- like naughty in my heart. I was just naughty in my behaviour. So, I was naughty and nice. Anyone like that as a teenager? Just me. All right. And I'm sure your kids are not like that at all. And so, my friend Tracy, her mum, single mum, just Tracy and her mum, her mum had a Datsun 120Y. Come on. Where's the picture? Coolest car. Now... It's cool now, but in 1983, this was not a cool car. This was a functional car that was Tracy's mother's car that Tracy got to borrow sometimes, right? Here's the story. So Tra- I would leave to go out in my lovely little sports car, and Tracy loved my car. I actually didn't like it when people looked at me and judged me because I was so young with a nice car. I'm like, can I, let's swap cars. And Tracy's mum's car, ready? Stick shift. And so, I did this thing called the bunny hop in Tracy's mum's car. Everything my dad would kill me for if I did in my sister's car, everything that he would pay somebody else to teach me on, and we swapped cars. And I learnt how, how important it is to engage those gears. Because <laughs> if you don't engage in a stick shift, what happens? You get the clunk, you get the rev, you get the neutral, like you're not going anywhere. You accidentally go into reverse And then everyone on the road is like, you don't need an L plate. They're just watching the car, they're like right around you, (laughs) moving on. But I I learned at an early age about the important, because I know Pastor Jonathan mentioned last week in his message about you've got to engage the gears. And so the short version is: I did not cause the gearbox of Mrs. Charter's car to fall out. Oh my gosh. Like who thinks when they're 16, you don't have brain cells yet? They're still developing. My dad eventually sent me off to traffic, uh, to, you know, not traffic school, what do you call it, learning to drive, driving school again and I properly learnt how to drive a manual. and I learnt how to, to put it in every gear and the good thing about it is when you learn how to properly engage, you don't forget. You don't forget. You have a memory for doing it and I still love driving a manual. Anyone like driving a manual? Anyone not know how to drive a manual? Don't want to shame you. All right. <laughs> The definition of engage, occupy, attract, involve someone's interest or attention, becoming involved in, connecting with, and also to enter into conflict or combat with the enemy. Engage is active. Engage means activity. I want to read to you a parable that Jesus um, talked about in Matthew, and it's about the seed and the sower. And if you don't remember anything else that I talk about today, remember this phrase, sow, reap, repeat. How to stay engaged for the rest of your life in the things of God, sow, reap, repeat. We're going to turn to Matthew 13. I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, and so he got into a boat Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds as he scattered them across his field. Some fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun since they did not have deep roots." they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Who wants to be the one who reaps? 30, 60, 100, of course we do. There's nobody that wants the other circumstances to happen in their life, but they do happen. We pastor, we know that they happen. And we can see when there has been seed sown and it has not taken root. We have seen when there has been seed sown and it has been choked out by the cares of this world. We want to be people that, we want to be pastors that see seed sown and reaping to happen because that's God's will. That is God's will. I'm going to keep reading in this parable, um, starting at verse 18. So we're still in Matthew 13, verse 18 to 23. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom, but they don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. Amen. So there is a story and there is an explanation for the story. The Word of God is not complicated. It's for simple folks like me and I hope like you, that we would approach the Word of God, especially when Jesus is talking and it's in red, that we would have childlike faith to understand this is not complicated. This is very clear. I want to talk about three enemies of engagement. Because in order order for us to understand why it is that either we have become disengaged or whether there's somebody in our life and you're like, I just want you to understand how important it is to be engaged and stay engaged in the things of God, then to understand what the enemy's plan is because he wants us to become disengaged. So the first, and these, these are found right in the understanding of this parable. Number one, enemy of engagement is lack of understanding. Lack of understanding. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message, this is verse 19, about the kingdom of God, but they don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches it away, snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. Oh my goodness, how many people in our lives have we shared the gospel with? We've sown seed and yet there seems to be this hardness like concrete because they don't understand Human understanding will never change our hearts. Human understanding will never change anyone's life. God gives us understanding in his word, which doesn't make sense without him. He's a relational God and his His word, the scriptures, the Bible, is his love letter to us, to help us understand. And what we are trying to understand is not the do's and don'ts, that's the law, but the spirit of God wants us to understand how much we're loved, how much purpose there is in our life, and that his plans for us are only good. Amen? Yeah. Author Josh McDowell once wrote these words. We don't read the Bible to understand it. We read the Bible to be transformed by it. And there are a lot of head knowledge people who'd love to get into arguments about all things philosophical, all things about you know theories and whatever but without a changed heart what a dead boring life <laughs> it doesn't change anything when we understand who he is and we allow, allow him to engage our lives engage our lives not just our head like where is you know I'm trying to I'm trying to connect no he wants to engage in here we are transformed into his likeness and his goodness you might say but I just don't understand that's a legitimate question, but it's not going to come through a head knowledge answer. What about, I can't, just can't get my head around it. Well, we're not supposed to. Spirit of God wants us to get our heart around it. And we know when we pray, we pray for people in our lives. It's the Holy Spirit who is the convincer and the convictor. And so us getting into, you know, arguing about this, that and the other to do with What we know and what people don't understand is not going to change. We've got to pray, Holy Spirit, this is your domain. I will sow seed. I will water that seed. But God, you'll bring the increase and you will get the glory. (laughs) Amen? Seek God and ask him to get your heart around it. Philippians 4, verse 7, one of my favourite passages of Scripture. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is officially our permission to not get our to have to have our heads around something in order to maintain peace in our hearts. I, I can't tell you how many times in my life nothing has made sense. I couldn't get my head around it. I love solving problems, and that can be a problem because I always want to fix something if something's wrong. But understanding that the Word of God and the peace of God can trump. What doesn't work up here? It's like, what, how do I get it up? Here? No, 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 let it be in here. This is where it's all meant to be. So how do we stay engaged when we don't understand? Trust God. Trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Amen. Second enemies. Second enemy to Engagement is problems and persecution. Problems and persecution. By the way, these are going to happen. Problems and persecution. If, if you haven't had a problem yet in your life, if you've never been persecuted for your belief in the word of God, then um, you need to get out more because problems and persecution are going to happen. But they can also be an enemy if we don't know what to do with them, right? So Matthew 13, 20 to 21, the seed on rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long because they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. An example of that would be if you've got a family member or a friend and they know that you tithe to the church, for instance, and you have financial difficulty... Because something happened in your life, problems. And you say, I'm going to keep tithing. And then they're like, that is just such a loser thing to do. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm going to believe God's word. And sometimes people don't understand because they don't have God wrapped around their heart. They're not engaged in their heart. They're just trying to work it out up here in their head. So what happens when we face problems and persecution? I want to say we pray and we believe God. Eventually that usually happens but first of all what we do is stress, we lose sleep and we even shed tears and I'm not just saying this is the girls. This is, I'm talking about problems and persecution, stress, sleeplessness, tears. I watched um, a sermon by T.D. Jakes a number of years ago and I was thinking about that when I was preparing this message for today and I just want to read a little excerpt that I um, wrote down from it because it's very, very powerful and it's a really amazing use of tears because tears are a form of water and a form of watering in our life. And the message is, if you want to look this up later on YouTube, there's the full version or there's a, a small version, but the message is Water the Seed, subtitle is Planting Versus Burial. Planting can seem confusing for some who don't understand because planting looks no different from burial. Both require digging and concealing, but one of them has a destiny. A seed is planted to go through a transformation of coming back up greater than it was when it went down. And what does that look like? It looks like those tears are to be used for something. Instead of tears of remorse, tears of regret, tears of bitterness, tears of loneliness, tears of sorrow and self-pity. No. How about we sow our tears? How about we sow our tears? How do we stay engaged when problems and persecutions come? Keep watering the seed. Psalm 126, 5 to 6, in the voice. Another favourite scripture. <laughs> love this. We all have ours. I hope you have yours. I mean, I love the entire word of God, 22 years around the block. Love it. But this one is just like a life scripture for our family, I know. Those who walk the fields to sow, casting their seed in tears, will one day tread those same long rows amazed by what's appeared those who weep as they walk and plant with sighs will return singing with joy when they bring home the harvest so water reap repeat what does the bible say the bible says that we should stay oh I lost a page (laughs) sorry I'm back I'm like, oh now I don't know what to say. There it is. Here we go. The third enemy for engagement, enemy of engagement is worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Worries of this life and the lure of wealth. Matthew thirteen, twenty-two says, The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So, no fruit is produced. Worries of this life can literally choke the life out of us. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So, what do most people worry about, as Pastor Jonathan mentioned? Number one is finance. And this is because when people feel like they're going to go without... They can become greedy, insecure, lose faith, and worry about money. It is such a trap to worry about money. It doesn't mean we should not be good stewards, but worrying about it doesn't change anything. Just become a good steward. (laughs) Make sure that you are sowing. Make sure you are giving to God. Make sure you're not withholding your tithe. Make sure you are not spending more than you are earning. Things like that. But worry doesn't change anything. Worry doesn't change anything. Matthew 6, 25 to 34 Jesus, speaking, says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that they are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? Don't say, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. That's awesome, isn't it? (laughs) Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. How do we stay engaged when money worries are choking us? Sabbath. Sabbath. What happens when the worries of this life and the lure of wealth take over and start choking us, the Bible says that there is no fruit produced. So there were, it's the treadmill. It's the let's just do more. Let's just, I'll just keep working at it and working at it and working at it. It is not a godly principle to not have a rest because it doesn't produce anything and it doesn't give your heart a chance to breathe. It doesn't give your mind a chance to relax um, I was reading in my one-year Bible this week in Exodus 16:29. It's actually the story of when the Israelites were taken care of by God and he sent quail and manna. Quail fly, flew through the air and manna, what is it? Is, that's what manna means. Little flakes of manna stuff, wafers would come up. And God said, I am doing this because I want to test the obedience of my people who I rescued out of slavery. Who were feeding on anything they liked in Egypt, and here I am. I'm going to provide, but this is how we're going to. This is how we're going to roll. You're going to collect food for five days, and you're going to take what you need, just whatever you need. If you need more, take more. If you need less, take less. But don't save any overnight, because it will go rotten. Because I'm providing, I am your provider, and I'm going to do it every single day for you as a reminder of my goodness. And so that you remember to be faithful and you remember my goodness. So some people kept their food overnight. What happened? Maggots. Stinkies. And God's like, when are you going to trust me? When are you going to stop being so faithless? And then the sixth day, there was a special instruction. I want you to collect twice as much as you need. Twice as much. Because I want you to, I want you to work at collecting on this day on the sixth day, because I want you to take complete rest on the seventh day. I will provide for you, but this is how we're going to roll. You are going to pick up twice as much as you need. You're not going to have more or less than you need. And on the seventh day, no one does anything except remembers to Sabbath. Because this is what the Bible says. The Sabbath is the Lord's gift to us. Who doesn't like a present Who does not like a prezi? Who doesn't like a gift? Who would like the gift of rest? Who would like the gift of peace? Who would like the gift of winding down and doing nothing, not even thinking about what you've got to do tomorrow? So what happened was some people went out on Sunday, or whatever the Sabbath was back then. Was it the Saturday? Don't mind me. You know more than me. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) Whatever the seventh day, some people still went out. And Father God was like, when are you going to learn? So how do we stay engaged when the worries of finances and the worries of this life are choking us? Sabbath. So as the team come now, I'm just going to conclude with the good news of this story, which is there is a way to live that helps us not just be engaged but stay engaged. Do we want to stay engaged? Yes, engagement with God and the things of God and in a relationship with him that is vital, it's a, it's our, it is our life source, means that we can experience 30, 60, 100 times more than we sow. I like the thought of that, more than we sow. Matthew 13, 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. And produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has, as has been planted. So, how do we stay engaged when we are already engaged? We've got to keep sowing. So, Pastor Jonathan said, Well, maybe you're already engaged. Well, we can always go to the next level. So, keep sowing, sow more seed, sow more life, sow more, sow more kindness, sow more rest. Sow more things that are going to be beneficial to your life that represent who Father God is so that we are sowing in his likeness because he wants us to reap in this life. Why? Because he loves us. And when we reap, we can be a blessing to other people. Amen? I want to tell you, let's go to 1988. Okay, now we're going to talk about fashion. It's a very important very important conversation. (laughs) I was going to bring this dress in, one day I will and I thought who could carry this thing and then I thought I'll take a photo, it won't do it justice because it's a piece of art. So 1988 I was getting ready for my 21st birthday and in Australia your 21st birthday is like a mini wedding, it's very celebrated and you know full-on party, you get the key to the door and everything so I had my f- 21st birthday at the Theroux Beach Surf Life Saving Club, and it was super fun. And we did what's that game when there's a stick and you go lower? Get that. Limbo, we did limbo, we did footy on the beach. It was amazing. and um, But the dress, you know, 80s music, clothes, like what was I, I was 20 years old, getting ready to turn 21. And so I went out with a friend looking for something to wear, went to a boutique. And um, I found this dress. And it's got a nickname, the Tutti Frutti dress. It's very colourful. And it's just, Jonathan's like, very, (laughs) very colourful dress. Um, And just gorgeous. And it was ready for this. Now, 1988, do some math. I know Michael's working this out already before I even say the, the number. $475. $475. It was two weeks' wages for me, two weeks wages, but that's okay, I had three jobs, I liked nice clothes, and by then I'd also bought a nicer car, so, <laughs> and my car was red, I was like, I am so not red anymore, no red, just white, just cream, just beige, <laughs> so I bought this dress, I was so excited, my girlfriend of course was like egging me on, thanks for that Megan, uh, still my best friend, but that's okay, she's like, oh yeah, it's it's gorgeous, you got it, you know, it's, it's your 21st, come on, come on, Buy the dress. I get home. Oh my gosh! Talk about so, uh, buyer's remorse. I was freaking out. I couldn't tell my dad. Even though it was my money, I was still like very responsible to them. And so I thought, oh gee, I'll call them. I'll call the store. I called the store, and I said, I'm so sorry. I was just there like an hour ago. Um, can I please bring the dress back? You break it, you bought it. No, sorry. That's why I love America. You can wear it and take it back. <laughs> Nothing you should ever do that. You should never do that. That's a terrible thing to do. Terrible thing to do. No, one ever do that. No, I was there an hour earlier. $475, a 20-year-old girl who lost her mind for a moment, momentarily, buys remorse. But I've got to tell you this. I tell you that story because I know for a fact, I know for a fact there is no such thing as sower's remorse. If we feel like we've been robbed of it, we don't get the blessing. If we say, even if somebody has taken from us, sow it, sow it, sow the shame, sow it, sow it away. Just give it away. Give it to God. Trust God and say, you thought you robbed this from me? Uh Uh-uh, I'm sowing this. The enemy wants to bury your dream, but you plant it. You plant that dream. It's going to look the same. It's going to look like bye-bye. It's going to be a lot of digging. It's going to be concealing. There are going to be tears. Use them for watering. And instead of it being the end of a dream, let it be the beginning of something new. We've got to be engaged and stay engaged. The team are going to lead us in a portion of the blessing song. And then I'm going to pray for everyone here. I want us to really think about the words of this song because these words are so powerful because it's all about what God wants for us and when we understand who he is we can understand who we are and we can take the words and say yes Father God that blessing you are before me behind me beside me and let this be generational for me for my children and my children's children in Jesus name let's stand together and worship Favor Thank you, you Thank you. may Thank his favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations in your family and your children and their children and their children before you, and behind you, and beside you, all around you, and within you, he is with you, he is with you, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming, and you're going, and you're weeping, and rejoicing, he is for you. Amen, he is for you. Amen, he is. You know, when Pastor Jonathan first mentioned the word engaged to me, when he had that word drop into his spirit, one of the first things I thought about was uh, the fact that our two sons got engaged and are both getting married this year, one next month and one in November. So grateful it's not two girls in one year, but anyway. Um, And I thought about this song. I prayed for my kids from when they were in my belly, (laughs) that they would have their life's partners who would love Jesus. And for this to be something that I could sing and to know, Father God, you are so good. It did not look that way for all of my life, but it is that way now. And you know, my mum and dad, just before my mum went to be with Jesus in May last year, they just celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. They even got a letter from the Queen. That's how special, it's a big deal in the Commonwealth. You know, before my mum and dad got married, my mum was engaged to another guy, another guy and he was not nice and he was not kind and my grandpa did not like him at all. And so my mother did the bravest thing in the world and she disengaged. She disengaged. It was not a healthy relationship. And had she not disengaged, had she not been able to just walk away from this person who had told her she'd be nothing without him she would never have met my dad. And I think about God has got a plan and sometimes we have got to disengage from stuff in order to have a re-engagement for his purpose. So I want to pray specifically for everyone here today, everyone watching at home, if we could just close our eyes and focus on what's going on in our lives, our own lives. The first prayer I want to pray is for anybody who has not received and understood The love of God yet. You don't have that personal relationship with Jesus because you've been trying to work it out in your head instead of allowing him to speak to your heart. The Holy Spirit is present right now. He's present with you at home. He's present with you here. And he is the one who will convince you when you open your heart to him. So if that's you today, I want to pray a prayer for you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior so that you can have the peace of God that passes all understanding. You don't have to understand it. You will understand more as time goes on. But that love letter, the Bible, will engage your mind after it's engaged your heart. It's heart first. And I also want to pray for anybody in this place today who recognises that you need to disengage from some things, maybe some behaviours, maybe some relationships, maybe for, for, um, from some thought processes, and so that you can re-engage things that are going to bring you blessing things that are going to bring you peace things that are going to be new ideas i pray father god for every single person here today lord god those who are inviting you into their heart for the first time those who are re-inviting you in lord god because they realize that they have been choked out by the cares of this world and by a lack of understanding And I pray for people today making decisions, Lord God, to disengage from unhealthy things and unhealthy relationships so that you can bring new life, so that you can bring new hope, so that you can bring bring a growth of dreams coming to pass. You're a good God. We love you and we thank you for engaging with us. We choose, Lord God, to fix our gaze on you as we engage with our purpose. We thank you for you giving us new life. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you, church.